Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 147 of the Sticks in the Six podcast. Don't be intimidated that you're hearing my voice and not Andrew's right now. He's uh, he's okay. Everything's fine with him. He got called into work last minute, so unfortunately, he's not able to be here with us tonight. But it's okay because Peter Barracchini, my co-host, and I, of course, Alex Hobson, are here to carry the load tonight. So, Peter, as Andrew always does, we're going to kick things off by catching up. How you doing? Yeah, doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel like the, you know, dynamic trio with one of us aren't here. But you know what? It's it, everything's going good right now. Good news. I know last week I mentioned that um had issues with my wa- washing machine uh, for dishes and actual washer for clothing. Good news. One out of the two are done. And it's only taken like three weeks to get to one and probably going on four for the other. But Things are slowly moving along and we are having essential, um, you know, machines in my house very shortly. But aside from that and just, you know, yelling at people on the phone, how are you doing, man? Uh, I, I'm doing pretty well as well. I'm, uh, I had some kick-ass Thai food tonight, which, uh, settling in pretty nicely. I was, uh, um, there's this place kind of down the street from me that I, uh, have been, I th- quickly accustoming myself as a regular uh, to since I moved here. I think I've probably ordered this place like five or six times in the two months I've been here. Uh, but you know, I'm a big, I'm a big Thai food guy. And uh, you know, it's uh, that that's all I really have to say. There's not much else to add. I had a pretty quiet week since the last time we, uh, the last time we recorded, it's just been doing a lot of work and I don't think anyone wants to hear me ramble about work. So <laughs> Um, we've got some more interesting things to ramble about, whether Andrew is here or not. And we're going to kick things off with a rare instance of sticks in the six breaking news. And I, I say rare. sticks in the six breaking news, but it's not really like I say that as if it's we're the ones that are getting credit for breaking the news. But we're not. I just read a tweet on my phone five minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, I figure it's probably a good time to talk about it. Um, Elliot Friedman, as of 7.30 p.m., time of this recording is January 31st, 7.38 p.m., so we're right on this, just tweets out saying, there is word tonight that talks between the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames are intensifying around Elias Lindholm. We will see where it goes. So, Peter, 
Vancouver and Calgary are both teams that have kind of been mentioned in the stratosphere, the stratosphere around the Leafs. And you can tell that I'm, I'm totally reaching here to try and make it Leafs related so we can talk about it. But um, I don't think Elias Lindholm was ever really tied to the Leafs as a serious trade target, but there have been talks about Tanov and there have been talks about Zadorov. And we just saw there's some potential rumblings about Zadorov maybe being a cap casualty in Vancouver. It's a bit of, bit of an odd situation over there, but I guess since these are two teams that have been mentioned around the Leafs, let's get uh, an instant reaction from you to the uh, trade rumors here. Yeah, it, it obviously big, big news, big shock right now because it was just coming out of nowhere. And yeah, it, it, it's kind of weird how Zadorov may be a cap casualty considering that they acquired him, you know, in November, December around then. And then all of a sudden now he's probably on the move as well. And it's like, well, if you were going after Zadorov and you really want Lindholm, why not go after Lindholm, right? But you know what? It, it, it made sense at the time for Vancouver. They had the cap space, but now they don't. But now if they want Lindholm, they got to create said cap space again. And it's really interesting to see because let's face it, right now they got some decent prospects in their system and maybe even some roster players too that they could dangle over uh, or give to the Calgary Flames as well. I know, I'm not sure if he's going to be available, but we talked about how maybe Connor Garland wasn't as happy in Vancouver, but he's more of a wing, right? You want more of that center depth behind Pedersen and, you know, Pia Suter right now is probably going to be your second or your second third line, but that's going to bump everything down where you have Pedersen, Lindholm, Suter, toss up between maybe uh, Dakota Joshua, Sam Lafferty as that third or fourth line, those third or fourth line kind of guys. But interesting to see how this is going to play out and what prospects are going to be offered too, because, um, if I'm Calgary, you know, they got some names on there that are very, very appealing that, you know, they could ask for if they want to pay up and, you know, Vancouver's in that win now mode right now, which nobody thought at the beginning of the season, but this is one of those moves that they need to make a tough decision on. Yeah. And, you know, it seems kind of weird because ever since Craig Conroy took over as GM, it's almost like there's been a force above him saying the only team that you can trade for is Vancouver because you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that two teams that are in the same division. And I guess they're not really competing right now because Calgary's not as close to a nice playoff run as the Canucks are, but still it's, it's weird to see two teams that are in the division and supposedly rivals to our, uh, trading with each other so frequently. So it's, it is a weird situation though. Like we, we, the, the Zadorov thing kind of caught me off guard because I, I read an article a couple days ago, um, at the hockey news shout out to, I'm going to butcher his last name, Adam Kirzenblatt. I want to say he's, at the hockey news right now, former co-worker of ours at the Hockey Raiders. Yes. He did an interview with Nikita Zadorov about a week ago, I want to say it was. And it sounded like things were going great there. You know, Zadorov was talking about how, you know, no one's going to push him around on home ice. There's a, there's an element of team toughness in the room. But then there's these, there's these rumors coming out of nowhere. Um, and I'm, they're not coming from just nowhere. I mean, Elliot Friedman talked about yeah. it. Jason Brow talked about it for Sportsnet 650. Um, Don Taylor on Donnie and Dolly wall. Um, they talked, they all mentioned something to the effect of, uh, there's kind of a sense that maybe he hasn't fit in the room right there. And, uh, there's a sense that this, that, that, that you know, they might have to clear cap room and they mentioned him and obviously Andre Kuzmenko's kind of been, kind of been receiving some headlines there as well, but yeah, it's a weird situation. And, uh, either way, I think that if they add Lindholm, the Canucks, I mean, I think that they're, 
they're capitalizing on their opportunity of currently being first seeded in the league, which I don't think anybody was expecting, but they're having an amazing season so far. And uh, hold that thought, hold that thought. Sorry, I need to get to it oh. right now. Kevin Weeks posted a video of Uh-oh. his random spots, and Andre Kuzmenko could be one of those names involved. Ooh, Kuzmenko yeah, to the Flames. Uh, a lot of people are saying Kuzmenko. No, David Quadrelli, uh, Rick Dollywall. They're all saying Andre Kuzmenko is involved and there's kind of talks about how maybe he wasn't happy or they weren't happy with his performance as well. So, okay. Making sense right now. Pieces are falling into place. Maybe we should, uh, Oh, Quadrelli, the insider. Okay, let's go. (laughs) That's huge. All right. Well, sorry. That's you. you, you, If anyone's listening right now, you're getting an organic sticks in the six reaction to this because it's happening in real time. So, all right. Well, we'll keep, we'll keep tabs on that and see what happens. Um, Love it when stuff like this happens. Cause the last time this happened, it was a Taylor hall trade to Boston. And this was before he even joined on. It was like very early ages of sticks in the six. And we were getting those updates at trade deadline. And me and Forbes are just like, what is going on right now? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, weird to see this stuff kind of break in real time and, and react to it. But you know what? That's that's what we're here to do. We we, we pick to we pick and choose to record at certain times, and sometimes this stuff's going to fall into place. So here we are. Um, obviously, there's more breaking news that's uh, on a little more of a dark note, and you know, this story we've been following ever since it kind of re-entered the media stratosphere a couple a, a year a year and a bit ago, but. Last week when we talked about it, we didn't have any confirmed details yet. We were just sort of talking about how there were certain players that have been given leaves, but it was convinced it was uh it was confirmed just over the last week that five players, Alex Formanton, Dylan Dubé, uh how am Carter I Hart, Carter Mike McLeod, and Calfoot. McLeod and Calfoot. Yes. So I just had one of those mm-hmm. train train got stalled in the brain and just yeah. never, never kept going. But uh, yeah, those five players have been told to surrender to police. They're all having statements come out with their lawyers and uh, talking about I, I, Carter Hart's lawyer's fault, flat out called it a false allegation, which is a bit of a choice to say. Um, you, you're seeing some of the words and some of the slimy wording used by these lawyers. Mikey McLeod's lawyer made a point to mm-hmm. mention that it was five years after the fact, which just right off the bat seems Doesn't like they're matter. trying to diminish the victim's story. But yeah. either way, uh, Peter, initial reactions to this? Uh, oh, based on the names that, you know, it, it, the timing of everything seemed kind of off and they were given the leaves anyways, right? And now everything's falling into place. And now this is in the hands of the court. You know, they didn't, they wouldn't, the victim involved in all this and her representatives and everything like that, they wouldn't have had enough information if they weren't going through with this, with the whole, you know, charges, laying everything out and going to court. It like, this is very substantial. We knew all the events that happened. We knew the detail that was in it from right when it happened, when Rick Westhead and a bunch of other reporters were breaking this whole entire story. I believe it was also Katie Strang um, and others that have been following the story closely where, you know, this is very disturbing. It's graphic and it's very horrific. And now that, you know, this is the time where, you know, it's, we we got a sense now. And now it's going to go to trial. We're not going to hear more much about this because I think they want to keep everything tight-lipped on both sides and everything like that until we actually hear a verdict, which won't be for, I believe they're looking at maybe a year and a half, two years as like the start date for that. But you know, it, 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 this is one of those instances where, you know, 
this is more than about hockey right now. This is about someone's life who is who is literally destroyed by this whole entire incident. And now we're we're getting more details and everything about that. I know we talked extensively. We talked about it extensively last week. I don't want to go too on and on right now because now it's just the process of them going in, surrendering to the police and everything like that. But you know, it's like like we said last week, it's now time like it's now not the time we should always believe, you know, victims and survivors of everything that's happened. This is one of those instances where believe their story because it matters and it's important. And you shouldn't diminish the fact that, you know, Oh, a hockey player's life is going to be ruined. Who cares about that at this point? Right. So yeah, yeah that's, that's just where I'm at right now. Now it's in the hands of the courts, believe survivors. That's all I got to say at this point. You know, one thing that I do think needs to be mentioned as well is someone in Calgary's got to answer for that statement comparing Dylan Dubé's whatever what he was taking a leave for to mental health and saying it was some mental health reasons. And, they did you release know, something five hours or so hours my, later that they yeah. had no awareness of that. So my initial reaction to this was why why would the Flames paint this as a mental health thing when Dubé was clearly when it was clearly for something much more morbid and not involving mental yeah. health. That's but, a big question. And you know what? With the with the flame when the flames come out here and say, you know, when they say we didn't know about this, he didn't tell us about this, this is something that we are completely in the dark on. It's one of those things where it's either a, how did you not know about it? If you're being serious, how was there no connection made there? How was there no rumblings? How, like, unless you just took what this guy said at face value and tried to do immediate damage control afterwards, once it was reported a couple days after that players were told to surrender to police. And then the other option is, you know, if Dubé lied to them and they didn't know about it, or sorry, if Dubé lied to them, I, I, like, what does that say about the state of the organization right now? Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I feel like it's it, it's either, they either yeah. covered it up and they're, they're lying about saying that they had no idea about anything or they're, they're ignorant to it, which doesn't yeah. make sense. It, it's like, it's not a good look either way. So some questions I think have to be answered in Calgary for, for, for the way that that was handled. And the exact um, quote was, we had no knowledge of pending charges at the time Dylan's request for a leave of absence was granted. So he, so it, what that sounds like is he lied to them and said it was mental health related, but I don't know. I still feel yeah. it's really weird that no one in that organization had any idea of that. I feel like if you're, if you're about to be arrested, if you're about to be called to get arrested and called to told to surrender yourself to police, I feel like it's just, I feel like someone in the, in the organization has got to know about that. Right. I don't know. I just, that's just one of those things that I think is, uh, is a bit of, bit of a tough question to answer yeah. and a bit of a weird one. But, um, one thing I'll close right now, with, we just got to wait at everything out at this point now, like obviously like the flame sent a statement out, but now it's in the hands of, like, like I mentioned before, everything's in the hands of the courts right now. Yep. We got to wait for that date. We got to hear everything, the whole entire process for that. So, yeah, it, it, it was just, again, we said it before. We said it again. It was only a matter of time before everything went through. And now we're getting further along in the whole entire process. Yeah. One thing that I'll leave this with is a quote from the Oak Leafs on Twitter, who is always a phenomenal soundbite. If you can, mm. if you can call Twitter users uh, tweets soundbites, then this is one of the this is one of the good ones. Um, lots of expletives in here. 
or expletives. Jeez, I stumbled over that. <laughs> Lots of expletives in here, so I'm going to read a clean version of it. But I think the overall point of this this thread here is uh, really nailed on the head. He goes, taking bullets for voting age athletes who would in any capacity gather eight at a time and taking bully or take advantage of a lone girl in a hotel room screams way louder about the type of man you are and what behavior you condone from your own son than any attempt to sound rational. And then he goes on to say, you can try and spin all the cancel culture hate into this shit as you want, but the fundamental difference is between behaving like a decent human being or being a predatory D-bag is still pretty binary regardless of whatever you judiciary loopholes any lawyer can can or cannot exploit i had a tough time getting through that paragraph with skipping all the swear words but you get the point yeah right yeah like it's you know so many people and it's obviously it's a little different this time around because police are involved and they're being told to arrest so it's not like your standard allegation in sports but in any time there's some sort of sexual assault allegation in sports, whether it's a low level player or mm -hmm. whether it's someone on the status of Roberto Alabar or something like that, there's always people who call who like to play lawyer and try to be the devil's advocate and try to play lawyer on Twitter, say innocent till proven guilty. You never know. And I saw a tweet the other day that really summed this up perfectly. Okay. Innocent till proven guilty for sure. But by that same logic, are you automatically calling the girl guilty of lying? Like, is that how we're going to play it too? Or is you say innocent till proven guilty when it comes to the people who are being accused, but in that same breath, you're accusing the girl of lying and you're saying that she is lying until further. Like the, it's a very bad, it's a very backwards logic. Yeah. I think. And uh, I thought that Oak summed it up really nicely there. So yeah. Great, uh, Great follow. Uh, I was even reading Rick Westhead's thing too. Like, obviously, he does a fantastic job with laying everything out. If you're still new to the whole entire thing or the events that have been unraveled, uh, again, yeah, the, the police told him to surrender based on the allegations that were presented to them. Um, and again, he says nothing's been proven. But now, hopefully, when this case does get into the courts, then we, uh, again, there will be much more clarity year a year and a half two years from now how long this uh the whole entire process will go because we all know how long cases can go before the courts and everything mm -hmm. like that so um so on to a different note here adam fantilli uh you're gonna have to kind of take the lead on this here peter because i actually haven't seen the video yet i'm glad i haven't and i don't know what happened on the play but a calf laceration i mean we've talked a lot about in injuries and and worse involving skate blades in the past couple of months. And uh, it sounds like fancy. I actually saw a tweet from Chris Johnson saying that he was wearing a specific type of sock that yeah. likely saved his career mm -hmm. and, and, you know, saved him from, from what could have been a lot worse than just going out with a laceration. But uh, Peter, what, what do you have to say about Adam Fantilli? Yeah. Um, so it happened during their game on Sunday when they lost to the Seattle Kraken. And you notice that something happened with Antilly where his like he was sort of limping and everything like that. You knew something happened with his leg. Obviously, we didn't know fully what until the news came out today. Um, yeah, out six to eight weeks right now, fourth among NHL rookies in 27 points. Um, yeah, it just seems like obviously it's a tough break for him tough break for the team like you just hope that he gets better and he's very you know he he gets on the path to being healthy for next season or i you know i can very he may return towards the end of the season i don't know but most likely for next season but at the same time it's just like man the rookie race is taking a big hit with bedard and his broken jaw leo carlson's had his injury uh adam fantilli now with his laceration um 
it just sucks because this was a promising group and everyone was so in, enamored with this rookie class in the race for the Calder. And now all of a sudden you have three big names gone as a result of injury. And, you know, I saw, I saw a couple, a couple of tweets there. I think um probably going to have to go through them, but like there are a lot of people saying, you know, bubble wrap the rookies and make sure everyone's safe and everything like that. But, you know, like you said, like at least he was wearing some protective gear and it probably could have been a lot more severe than it already is. And tough news to hear. I'm glad that, you know, it wasn't as severe as it is, but hopefully, you know, uh, that's how he's going to be on the path or have a quick recovery as well, because the Blue Jackets, they're decimated with injuries right now too i mean patrick line he had an injury and then he went on players assistance program so it, it just seems like the injuries and the bad luck is piling on the blue jackets at this point yeah it's a tough scene for sure and that's the one that's the worst part about this is you you have all these injuries to young players that pile up and it really takes away from the entertainment value when it comes to the calder show the calder race so uh um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough scene for sure. And, uh, all, all the best Adam Fantilli and hope that he is able to uh, recover soon and swiftly. And, uh, ideally, um, I, I, I'm going to sound really stupid for asking this probably not much of a chance he comes back this year. Is there because of timeline, it was around six to eight weeks. It, it may seem like beginning uh, or I'm, I'm pinning it on the fact that it, because we're already, you know, going into February right now, there's probably already four weeks gone probably another four in April, in March. Uh, actually, I'm just going to pull up my calendar very quickly. Um, yeah, you're probably looking at maybe end of March, beginning of April. So uh, the, the thing is uh, with Bedard, he suffered his injury about a month or so ago. And that really put his, his future in doubt or timeline, but he may return a little bit earlier. But this one happened a little bit later on, so his his timeline or return may be a little bit more in jeopardy than Bedard's. Fair enough. Well, uh, ideally, he makes it back at some point this season and gets to salvage somewhat of this year, even if the Jackets aren't going to the playoffs at all. Uh, you hate to see injuries pile up on the rookies like that. But, yeah. uh, Peter, I think it's time we uh, move over to some Maple Leafs talk. And right now, you know, obviously the Leafs are just – I mean, there's a couple NHL games tonight, but uh, we're more or less into the all-star break. Uh, Peter, let's get some thoughts on the Leafs right now, just as a whole. Uh, fourth in the Atlantic Division, which I don't think is much of an ideal spot considering where they were last year and considering where they have been in the past. You, you, um, not precisely where the team would want to be right now, but at, on the other hand, it is a very tight race. Tampa's only one point ahead of them, and they have three games in hand. Uh, Detroit's one point behind them, and they have two games in hand. So, uh, and then after the Leafs and the uh, Red Wings, there's a big drop off in the Atlantic Division down to the Buffalo Sabres at 48. So, Peter, what are your thoughts on the Leafs right now? 25, 14, and eight at the All Star break, 47 games under their belts. Um, I suck at math on the spot. What would that be? 35 games remaining? Yes, 35 games. I yeah. Think I <laughs> math on the spot. I'm good. Yeah, no, I, I could totally relate how I'm not good with math on the spot. That's why I never did so well. And that's why I write words instead of doing stuff with numbers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when you look at the surface, you know, 617 points percentage, you would think, you know, it's pretty decent. You know, they, they do have three games in hand on Tampa, two on Boston and Florida, which could vault them a little bit further up. 58 points. Goal differential, maybe you'd like to see a little bit higher, but that's where it gets a little bit dicey. You know, they have... 
166 goals for they're scoring goals, but man, the goals against the defensive play, that's been the biggest issue. And you saw that in those games where they went on, you know, for the four game losing streak where they blew those leads. And that's when you started to question, you know, what are you going to do with this team? There are a lot more holes to fix than previously thought. And we knew that going into the season, but right now things are starting to take a little bit of a turn in the right direction. So hopefully they build off that, but you're already questioning if Sheldon Keith is the guy for the job. What was Brad Living doing in the off season? Why aren't they performing or his acquisitions performing as well, or the major ones for that matter. So if there's one thing I would say about this team it's consistently inconsistent. I said it quite a bit. Um, they're relying too heavily. I mean, well, Matthews is just an absolute beast at this point right now, but at one point, is Austin Matthews going to be the answer every single game? You need everybody to step up, everyone to do their part, and they're looking like that right now. Um, in the last three games that they played, they've been very, very strong defensively, helping Sammy out, and that's the type of play that you want to see the Maple Leafs have, especially with a struggling goaltender that really had nothing to go with. And those two games against the Winnipeg Jets were absolutely fantastic. That that's what that, that's the type of play that you want to see against premier teams or against even lesser known team, not lesser known teams, but teams lower the dumb in the standings and take advantage of that. I mean, when the chances and shots were close in the first game, 32 30 for Winnipeg and then Matthews with the game winning goal. And then after that, you know, Toronto outshot Winnipeg. They were the better team for most of that game. And Connor Hellebuck was in that. So it seems like you really don't know what to expect with this team game in game out. You got to go in with glass half empty, half full kind of thing. And hopefully that's something that changes in the second half or, or already in the second half, but at post all-star break where maybe they can get it together and they could go on a bit more of a run and be more consistent. Yeah. I, you know, it's weird because part of me wants to compare this season to the 2019, 20 season, because I think that team yeah. and this team have some similarities. I think that, you know, just like we are right now, back in 2019, 2020, we were talking about the Leafs, not really warranting going out and having a massive deadline and dropping a whole bunch of assets on rentals and, and loading up the team for the playoffs. And that's the, that's the case this year. We've been talking about them like that this year. And then, there have been questions about their identity pop up this year, mostly in their bottom six. I think this year, I think when back when the Leafs were, um, uh, I think back when the Leafs were in back in 26, geez, I can't speak back in 2019, 20. Uh, I think that there were some identity questions, but I think that for the most part, it was just some, some awkward turnover after having Mike Babcock and having him kind of lose the room. And then Sheldon Keefe taking over midway through the year. I think it was just a very, a very, poorly timed season a very you know a lot of things didn't fall into place when they should have and um i don't think it's quite that bad in that sense this year i just think mm -hmm. that they have more holes on the roster than we thought you know they signed john klingberg in the offseason no one expected him to be a good defenseman but at his peak what what he could have been you know the Leafs are getting a guy who can rebound put up between 40 and 50 points and you know man power play one or even power play two um Obviously, that didn't work out. He's on the he's on the injured reserve now. Um, they've had some positive spots like Simone Benoit pop up. Um, you know, I think that uh, Bertuzzi and Domi. Obviously, you want them to be you know a little further ahead of where they are right now at this point of the season. But I, I you know, I think there's just a lot of things where it's it's just 
certain guys are underperforming and um, they just haven't really been able to, to find, make all the things click all at once. But on that, you know, you talked about those games against Winnipeg. I mean, those games show you that the Leafs are capable of being a great team mm-hmm. this year. Want to be, it's just, you know, it hasn't been here on a consistent enough basis to justify going out and having a huge trade deadline. Like it looks like Vancouver's about to do. So that's okay. I mean, the Leafs, you know, they had their big deadline last year. It's somewhat paid off for them. They did get out of the first round for the first time and forever, but um, I don't think anyone's expecting them to uh, make it, make it big move at the deadline like that this year. Um, I think, I think that, you know, there are some issues on the roster that need solving. Like I said, I think the bottom six needs a little more of an identity. I think you've got a, a decent third line, but not one you can trust for more than 10 minutes a game. And then you have sort of like a, 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 square peg in a round hole kind of checking line on the fourth line with David Kampf there and Noah Gregor. I think that they got to find a way to get a checking forward and make that third line into a checking line. And then just, I don't know, just like move some guys around and try and make it work. I don't think it's like 2019, 20 in the sense that the, the, the dressing room has been lost and the team is just has no identity and has no idea where to go. But I do think that there are some, issues some identity issues that do need to be solved i just don't think it's a really it's a team-wide issue like it was two years ago but um overall not a great spot for them to be in right now but there's also over like about half a season to go a little under half a season to go left i think that you know teams get hot in the second half and leafs can be one of those teams i think they just have to start bringing it on a consistent basis and i think that they need to start getting some more consistent good goaltending because Mm -hmm. We saw what the Leafs are capable of when they don't have to worry about allowing four goals on the first 10 shots of the game, right? So um, so moving on to our next point here, uh, I guess we already kind of touched on this, but Peter, what would you say is the biggest issue to improve on as it stands right now? Uh, again, like you could literally pick anything. You could pick the goaltending. You could pick the defense. You can pick, you know, needing more from your bottom half of the roster. And it's interesting enough because I'm going to pick on the big. Um, I'm going to I'm going to pick on like you know those those players needing to step it up a little bit more. Um, you know the combination of you know. Bertuzzi, Reeves, Domi. Domi looks like he's starting to pick it up a little bit more. Bertuzzi's just having rotten luck at this point. I mean, it, it, like, I mean, we saw that disallowed goal where Nylander was pushed in, and it seemed like, oh, that's like the monkey off Bertuzzi's back right there, right? And then all of a sudden, that goal gets called back, and he's back at square one where, you know, he hasn't scored in quite some time. Um, it seems like he's getting his chances and his looks, and it's just not working out. I mean, I mean, I mean, it, it it sucks because he could literally have, with all the chances that he's had, he could easily have like another, you know, ten or so goals. He could have like you know thirty points at this point. Instead, you know, he's back down at twenty. You know, he's ma- he's making good plays. It's just a matter of him trying to convert. And I think the biggest, I, I think I was just rambling on a little bit there, but one issue that I would like to see. happen is seeing those players step it up a little bit more or be a little bit more consistent i mean that was ryan reese's like best game since what the first two of the season like i guess winnipeg jets where even he's mixing it up uh at towards the end of the game and it's like you know the winnipeg jets were turtling because ryan reese is there and he's doing what ryan reese is supposed to do he had good hands on that goal he needs to disrupt or be disruptive on both both ends of the ice 
Um, I think that's going to be big if they could get a little bit more contributions from the bottom of their roster, but specifically those players that they signed in the offseason. Yeah, I think that uh, that's obviously something that's been a talking point all year. Uh, the core four is kind of taking on a little more weight than they probably should be. You know, I thought I think everybody thought that going into this year, you know, the the, the reason and the benefit for sacrificing defense, uh, not just like defensemen, but defense in general, Justin Hall, Alex Kerfa, guys that eat up time on the penalty kill. The trade-off for that was always going to be bringing in some more dynamic offensive players. And Bertuzzi and Domi were supposed to be those players, and it hasn't happened that way. Excuse me, that way yet. So you hope that they find their game at some point. I do agree. Bertuzzi's having a really rough go luck-wise. I don't think he's necessarily playing bad. It's just, you know, when you're that snake-bitten, and even he was, he should have scored on Saturday against Winnipeg but they disallowed his goal for the most egregious goalie interference penalty I've ever seen. But don't get, because don't get us started on that. We'll ramble for Oh yeah. But um, yeah, it's hard to disagree. I think that uh, I think the, honestly, I would just say that the biggest issue that needs to improve on is goaltending. And I say that just because like I said, you look at what this team is capable of doing when their goalie can give them 10 out of 10 saves to start the game and give them a chance to get settled in. And then, you know, we've seen the Leafs snap for four or five goals in a period before in half a game. They don't need to be scoring in the first couple of minutes to get ahead on to get ahead of the lead. They don't need to have that lead early on to win hockey games. They just need to have their guys out there and score goals. So, you know, the Leafs are a team that can score themselves out of issues, but you don't want them to be doing that on a regular basis. And so I think that uh, where we're at right now, the biggest improvement that they can have is just consistent goaltending and not having to worry about their goalie allowing three or four goals to start a game and, you know, having to put themselves in that hole to dig themselves out of earlier. Cause like I said, you look at these past two games, past three games, Ilya Samsonov's played. He looks like he, he looks like he, he did when he was at his best last year. Yeah. Um, what do you like? Look at what the Leafs have been able to do in those games. They've been winning hockey games. So um, honestly, Good goaltending. If they get that on a more consistent basis, I, I, I think that that'll honestly help them more than uh, improving any part of the roster will. But um, that's something that that's a question that we'll have to uh, wait to be answered because while the things kind of look good right now, um, you know, the Leafs and goaltending has always been an inconsistent conversation in the past. And so we'll, we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. I don't see him going for a goalie at the deadline, but uh, onto a little brighter note with the team, Peter MVP. There are a couple of contenders this year, a couple guys I can list off the top of my head that I think you might, you might say, but uh, I'll give the floor to you. Who is your MP? I almost said MP3. MP3. Who, is your M- <laughs> who is your MVP on the year so far? MVP.MP3. Um yes. Ah, I mean, it's only coming down to two players right now. It would have been three. I think it would have been Justin Wall if he was a little bit healthier. Joseph Wall. Joseph Wall, yeah. Wait, (laughs) did I say Hall? You said Justin Wall. Justin Wall? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Um, We were just talking about Justin Wall. It's okay. Um, Joseph Wall, sorry. Yeah. If he was, uh, if he, if he was healthier and he was getting wins and being in the spot that he was, I think he would be up there, but I think he, as much as you want to give it to William Nylander, you got to give it to Boston Matthews at this point. Dude, dude is literally clutch. He's on pace for 70 goals this year. Um, you know, he, he's coming up at key moments. You know, you see, obviously he can't score a hat-trick every single game, but when the team needs him to be at his best, he is at his best. And 
what he's doing right now is a uh, phenomenal and he's carrying this team on his back and you know everyone's going to talk about like the differential between his goals and assists and it's like you know what we've seen matthews become a good playmaker in the past i think those the assists will come a little bit more but when you when you're riding a hot hand you're riding a hot hand and he's going to be my mvp right now you know what? I'm going to go a little off the board for the MVP here. Ooh. And I'm going to really focus on the definition of most valuable player and not necessarily best player or most electrifying player on the year. Oh, we're going into that discussion, eh? I'm going to say, <laughs> well, no, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> I don't want to sit here and talk about that. But, you know, just for the purpose of being different and not agreeing with you on both of those players, I'm going to say Morgan Riley. Because good pick, yeah. Where do you think this team would be if they had Morgan Riley from much of last season? Right? Spot. Morgan Riley from November, December, January, February. I'm not just talking points, I'm talking about everything because he he had his moments last year, and I will always be a Morgan Riley truther. I will always point back to the fact that when Morgan Riley's playing at his worst there is usually a reason for it. And that reason is usually that he doesn't have a good defensive partner. Anytime you've seen Riley struggling on a, on a big multi on a, like in a big way, it's always been when there's been some sort of revolving door defensive partner last year, he went through a phase between injuries and just other things that were happening mm -hmm. where he was either playing with Justin Hall one night or Jordy Ben the next night or Victor Mete the next night. Like it was, it was a weird stretch and you know, Timothy Lilligren one night, it just, when, when when you give him a revolving door of defensive partners that he can't really get comfortable with, he's going to start focusing too much on trying to cover his ass defensively, and that impacts his offensive game, and it's a bit of a domino effect. Morgan Riley's played alongside TJ Brody all year, and regardless of what you want to say about TJ Brody, Morgan Riley has been thriving playing alongside of him. Yeah, And if he wasn't doing what he's doing this year, where would this defensive core be? And like I said, not just talking offensively, he's been good defensively this year too. He's been playing on the penalty kill. He's been, he, he's he, like, his pairing has generally been one of the shutdown pairings for them on the year. It's kind of been split between that pairing and McKay Benoit, but either way, you know, Morgan Riley, he's got the points. He's got the defensive game stepping up this year. I just think that if he was closer to what he was around a year ago this time, I don't know if the Leafs would even be in a playoff spot, to be honest. So, um, playoff Riley has emerged. Playoff, basically. well, that's what I'm saying, and yeah. you know, it, it hasn't been you know peak playoff Riley this year, but he's been just he's been on another level compared to what he has in the past, and like at least compared to last season. So he's my kind of dark horse pick for MVP mm -hmm. year. But we're kind of uh, moving towards the trade deadline. And Peter, do you know what comes before the trade deadline? A lot of things come before the trade deadline. I was about to say you a lot. Specifically, what do you, if you had to pick one thing that'll come before the trade deadline? All-star game? Close. I'm going into oh. a different sport. The Super uh, Bowl. Ah. The Super Bowl comes oh, okay. before now the trade deadline. And if you're looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. <laughs> I've read the wrong part there. Whoops. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code THPN. New customers can bet five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with the code THPN. 
The crowd is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. If you're in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or you can visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Nailed it. Thank you. I, I think I nailed it for the most part. I just tripped over my words because I I started reading the part where it says mention available lines and odds from the DraftKings Sportsbook, which uh, is clearly a um, clearly something. It's uh, a prompt asking me to do something, but I read it like it was part of the script. So aside from that, I think we did fine. But this brings us back. Sorry. Little update. Little update on that. A uh, little bit of news in regards okay. to the Calgary Vancouver trade per David Pagnotta. Um, Kuzmenko is part of the deal, but Calgary's on his no trade list. Oh, he's got to possibly, Uh we gotta, uh, we gotta figure that out at some point or if it's going to go through. Cause if not, that it's going to probably be picks or prospects. Wow. All right. And I can confirm that it is actually David Pagnotta because a lot of time he didn't have that blue check mark and there were a lot of parody Pagnotta accounts. This is the real thing. So, well, good. Um, So, Peter, obviously, this is a trade that kind of happened close to the trade deadline, but not at the trade deadline. But uh, let's let's talk about the deadline. I'm sure we'll touch on this more as we get closer to the date. But as of right now, one addition that you would like. Ah. Ideally, I still think you should target a defense or maybe try and get somebody with term. I, 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 you're looking at the bigger picture right now. You're not just getting a rental right now. As much as I would love to try and get a player that maybe you could possibly sign later on, or you know that's going to be a big factor, I, I think that's going to be the direction that you're going to go to. But it's very tough. If I was to pick, you know, or even if you were to buy, like, or buy low on free agents or pending free agents this season. I like Nick Sealer on ta- on uh, Philadelphia. I I think he brings that rough and t- uh, that rough and rugged style play, but you know, can generate a bit of offense, not a whole lot. But the defensive game, the awareness, the physicality. I think that you have someone tough up front on the fourth line. If you have someone like him on the blue line as well to complement, kind of like a Simon Benoit, but can still play solid defensively and be good in transition. I've liked his game for some time now. I I, I think he's definitely an ideal target. Um, whether or not that actually happens or not. Um, it, it's funny enough, I got a piece coming out because David Yurchek expressed frustrations. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think the Maple Leafs should express interest in a top, you know, defender in Yurchek. I, I, again, probably unlikely it's going to happen or, or get to a point of a trade. It just seems like, you know, they're on different terms or different, you know, wavelengths at this point. Why not give them a call? I mean, I wouldn't be against that. Juracek was one of my favorite defensemen from that draft, and I was a fan of him before he was selected by Columbus. And, you know, he was one of those guys where you watch him in the World Juniors and you pay attention to him throughout the year, and you're like, that is the exact kind of guy the Leafs need on their defensive core right now. But they're not, they weren't in a position to get him. So, you know, I'd be interested. I'd make that call and just at least see what's available, see like how much it would take to get him. Um, so that would be, if that'd be an interesting pick for sure. In terms of one addition that I'd make, I'm just going to take the boring answer. I'm just going to say Chris Tanev. 
man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, unless it's a situation, and I feel like this will end up being the case where the Leafs are involved in a bidding war for him and there's obviously a little bit of a tax because Toronto used to have true living or sorry, Calgary used to have true living in the office. You know, if it ends up being something where it's like they're asking for a first round pick and a prospect and a, and a low level roster player or something like that, then yeah, you back off and you don't make that trade. But if there is a world where he can be acquired for a mid round, excuse me, a mid round pick and or a prospect, I think they should just take every opportunity they can to make that deal because that is exactly what the Leafs need right now. And, you know, Chris Tanev, obviously, he's kind of an older guy and you worry about his durability. But I think that you're solving two issues with one here because mm -hmm. if you trade for him, you're also putting Brody lower in the lineup. And I think that's something that this Leafs defensive court yeah. desperately needs. So if you acquire Chris Tanev, you can play Tanev and Riley as your top pair and you can use them as your primary, you know, pairing to play against opposing opposing players, star players, whoever you end up playing in the playoffs. Um, and then that way you can, you can leave Brody McCabe as your second shutdown pairing. And you can, you can kind of diminish those minutes a little bit and use them against mid-level competition and use them to a lesser extent where, you know, they'll succeed. Because if you remember last year, Brody and McCabe were their shutdown, your their top to shutdown pairing for much of the playoffs. And while they started off really strong, they also were playing way too much towards the end of the playoffs. And it's just not something that's sustainable. So, you know, Tanev, he's right-handed. He's physical, he's physical player. He's blocked shots. You know, he's the exact kind of guy that they need on their top pairing. And if it's not going to cost the Kings ransom to get him, I'd make that deal because it doesn't sound like they're going to make more than one deal this year. Um, we might as well move on to something a little bolder. If you want to use that word, Peter, we're moving towards the deadline. As I said, 400 times already. Um, <laughs> are we, I didn't, I, I, are, are we, I don't know. Deadline <laughs> might, I don't know. I might, might be coming up soon. Um, Give me a bold move. Give me something that's kind of maybe not not the average person won't look at and be like, oh, I've heard that before. Give me give me something a little off the map here. So I guess the Jacob Chickren rumors are, are aren't in play, right? Uh, I, I could I could because Jacob Chickren is not a guy I think anyone expected to be traded this year. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Maybe those rumors are still just rumors. But if you want to use them, be by all means, it's your call. Um, I, I was just looking at you know. Forbes had like two really good trade targets piece uh, from like Maple Leaf scouts at games or representatives at games. And one of them was the senators and Canadians. I for one would like to see Matthew Joseph. If they're able to try and pull the trigger on a move for that, I think that could be a big addition given the speed that he has. And he's having a really, really strong season um, this year. And I, I, again, I guess the Ottawa senators really haven't been that great, but you know, 23 points in 36 games. It's nothing to sneer at. It's nothing to just be like, oh, yeah, whatever. He's got the speed. He's got the ability to finish. I mean, we, there, there were games this year where he was just blown by the Maple Leafs defense and even on other occasions, too. Like, he's got that, you know, uh, I, I was just going to say the killer mentality, the killer instinct where he's able to be aggressive on the forecheck. I think that's a player that can definitely benefit – a move or a change of scenery. Um, definitely, he, he is, I believe, a right wing. So definitely plays into the factor that are you going to play him on his off wing, on a strong side? I would be interested to see how that's going to play out. But he's one name that I would love to see the Maple Leafs try and bring in. 
I think that this name would be brought up a lot more frequently if this guy wasn't making the money he is and if there weren't teams that are probably willing to part with more assets than Leafs would be. But man, I look at this trade bait board. I can't think of many more players that would fit the Leafs at the deadline better than Adam Henrique. You know, I think that we just like I mentioned earlier, the Leafs third line has kind of had an identity crisis this year. They haven't really had a good mix of players. They haven't really been able to, they haven't really been a line that Sheldon Keith's been able to trust. I think that if you somehow and I'm not going to I'm not going to do the math here. This is Brandon Pridham's job. If Brandon, you know, if the Leafs wanted to make this move they would they've done it in the past get a broker get someone to retain some of the salary for the rest of the year pay that extra fifth round pick whatever just do do what you got to do to make the money work so i'm not going to touch on the actual value of the contract anymore but if you were to bring adam henrique in and for those wondering he's making 5.8 million this year so obviously little much uh that trade wouldn't happen without some salary retention but again not our job to figure that out so um too much math yeah, exactly. I think that if you brought a guy like him in, you could move Max Domi up to the second line with Marner. Could be with Marner, or it could be the first line with Matthews and Marner. I was kind of thinking Domi, Marner, Tavares for a second line, but I, who am I kidding? We're going to be seeing Matthews and Marner together for the rest of the year. So, yeah. fine. Max Domi, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, first line. Matthew Nice, John Tavares, William Nylander, second line. Then I think you could bump Tyler Bertuzzi, who's had some good underlying defensive numbers, down to the third line. You put Adam Henrique in the middle and have Kelly Arncroke on the right. And I think that's your shutdown line. And then from there, you can either... You know, you can either put David Camp with a couple of offensive wingers and Pontus Holmberg and, and Nick Robertson or give Ryan Reeves a shift in there every now and then, but... I, I don't know. Like I said, we're just throwing out names here. I don't know how the Leafs would make any of that work, but Adam Henrique, I mean, you got a veteran guy there who's good defensively. He's chipping in offensively as well. A team loading up for a playoff run, they trade for guys like Adam Henrique. So if if there was a world where the money could be worth it there, I would, I would vouch for it, but I don't see that being a possibility. So I guess that's why we're calling this bold moves. Um, <laughs> so... I guess we'll finish off with a couple of just quick hits on, you know, in hindsight, it would have been better to do these three first and then do the deadline talk, but I, that's not the way that I ordered it. So um, that this is just the way we're going to do it. If you have a problem, I'm sorry, send us an email. We'll figure it out. We'll get back to you. But um, we're going to move on to some more uh, mid-season quote-unquote awards, I guess, if you want to call it that. We're going to do this kind of in quick hit form. But, Peter, biggest surprise so, on the Sorry, sorry. Oh. Kuzminko has signed off on his no-trade clause to accept the deal to Van to Calgary. So okay. the, the deal is going in place. That was from Pierre Lebrun and Frank Cervelli saying a lot of moving parts, but report is Lindholm is a member of the Canucks. Dude, Elias Lindholm, I'm pretty sure, is representing Calgary at the All-Star game. It's the John Scott thing all over again. Kind he's of in the he's in the air on the he's way to literally Toronto flying right to Toronto right now to represent the Flames. <laughs> okay. uh, how's that going to work? Out? Didn't something like that happen last year with um, uh, who was it? Was it uh, Bo Horvat? Wasn't he like representing? Yeah, the yeah, that's a more that's a better recent example because he was going to represent the Islanders, right? Or should have represented the Islanders. Yeah, he should have, but he, yeah, I don't know. Weird, weird situation. So thanks for the update there, Peter. Um, who was your biggest surprise on the Leafs this year so far? Oh, uh, this is probably going to be an easy one. And I think you're going to be in agreements with me. It's Simon Benoit. 
Yes, coming, sir. I am coming, in coming in as, you know, depth defenseman signing, like signed in August, coming in, gets sent down to the minors. All these injuries happen. And this is a guy that just basically works his ass off every single time. Like you see it in the play. You see it with the defense on the, the defensive side of things, blocking shots, being physical, um, mixing it up every now and then, showing that physical side. Um, and he, he had a great, like Luke Gassick was interviewing him earlier today on it for his podcast. And he basically said that if you have that rough and tumble attitude, that mentality, that team work ethic of laying everything out of the line, people are going to respect you. And Benoit was basically saying, yeah, you know, it's great to get that recognition. You know, he just does what he can. It's the little things that usually stand out. And Benoit excels in that big time. Um, even like he has a very underrated aspect when I was writing about how he was one of the top free agent signings for the leases back in December, he had like good underlying numbers, scoring chances, expected goals for probably took a bit of a hit now, but if you were to tell me that he would be like one of your top four defensemen, I probably would not agree or just laugh in your face, but I've really been impressed with Benoit's game. I think the Maple Leafs should sign him. This guy is going to be a keeper. And I think one representative from the Anaheim Ducks said, when the Maple Leafs signed him, they're going to love him. Everyone's going to fall in love with him. And when he got that belt where he's just like, I may not be able to score goals, but he's able to score from his own end on that empty netter. Yeah. May not be able to score goals, but I could punch people in the face. That that That's that's what you're lacking. You la- you're lacking character, and he has that. Yeah, I, uh, I you know, normally I would come up with a guy here so we're not agreeing on the same page. But, I mean, who else has been a bigger surprise than Benoit, just considering mm-hmm. what he was supposed to be? I remember there being a lot of like kind of sneering at the signing when it happened because, you know, all the Jay Fresh charts were coming out and he had a lot of red on there and had yeah. horrible numbers in Anaheim and just terrible, terrible numbers. Didn't even have a good preseason too. No, and it wasn't great in preseason, but yeah. he, was, he was also injured for a lot of it. But either way, you know, he comes into the lineup and he all of a sudden goes from, okay, depth defenseman sitting in while they've got all these guys injured. Um, he's looking okay right now. He's holding the fourth down to, okay, this guy's pretty good. He can log some penalty kill minutes. He's, you know, can play physically. And now it's a point where I like, how do you take him out of the lineup for the playoffs? I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about the Leafs need in the playoffs and it's exactly what he brings. So, you know, for all the bad that Brad Living did this off season, he did, that was a very good signing. The, uh, the one of Simone Benoit. So hopefully the fact that he's an RFA plays into their favor this year and they can bring him back on a cheap deal. Um, Peter, what really like- sold me. What really sold me too. Sorry, that game against the LA Kings, where he was like manhandling two mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, that reminded me of the Dustin Bufflin playoff game. Obviously, not as intense because Bufflin was like literally like dragging those two guys. But that reminded me of what of that instance when Benoit was just basically holding off those two guys, and I'm like, yep, picture perfect, legit, legit. <laughs> um. So I guess, Peter, I have an idea of what you're, who you're going to say for this. I'm probably going to end up agreeing with you again. Biggest disappointment on the year so far. Um, See, I'm going to go a different route, actually. I am going to say Mitch Marner. Oh, I am, okay. I, okay. I'm going to say Mitch Marner because, I mean, we've talked about this before. Last season, the season before, like he gets off the little starts. But this season, I, it just seems like when William Nylander was elevating his play, Mitch Marner was not at that level. Like he was trying to overthink things. And I think that's, what's been his downfall this season when he's simplifying things and just doing his thing. He's among the best. 
But this season, you're seeing a lot of stretches where he's great, a lot of stretches where he's inconsistent, making turnovers, making costly plays. That needs to stop. Like that, that's not the Mitch Marner we know. That's not the guy who's one of the top wingers in this league. He's very creative. Like, there's no doubt about that. But some of his decision with the puck, his decision making with the puck this season has not been where it needs to be. And it's if you're like going based on like all the core four. I would have Mitch Marner as, and sorry, let's say core five. I would probably have Mitch in that four or five spot amongst the core five. So I've been disappointed with this play. I thought I would have expected a little bit more intensity, a little bit more drive. Just not seeing that. Fair enough. I mean, I think it's it's definitely... You know, I think by this point last year, he had really started to heat up and he's been better, better as of late, I'd say, but he it's has. still not really yeah. 11 point or $11 million better. So I know what you mean. Um, I feel bad saying this because he's kind of been the star of the show for the past couple games, but biggest disappointment so far has been Ilya Samsonov. I'm yeah. sorry, Sammy. I love you. The larger I, hope you can, I really hope you can prove the fan base wrong and we can put this whole Samsonov's wash debate to bed, but you know, he came into this year supposed to be their number one goalie, and he put up some of the worst numbers in the league until he came back up for the Marlies. So, not great. You want more out of him. I'm not going to say too much more about it because he started to pick it up again lately, and I don't want to shit on the guy when he's finally started to play some good hockey. Mm-hmm. So, um, we'll close it out on this one, Peter. Who needs a big second half? And I feel like, again, I probably know the answer here. See, I'm, I'm probably going to throw you a curveball as much as I want to say Mitch Marner. And I, I kind of rotate this. I, I, I probably should probably should have got, agreed with you with Samson up because, yeah, he has been great as of late, but the larger sample still sticks out. But if the Maple Leafs have any chance of, of making a deep run, and let's say Joseph Wall isn't quite as well as he was to start the season and he comes back and he's struggling a little bit. You're going to need a big. You're going to need big games and big saves from Milia Samsonov. So he's a player that really needs to continue to step it up, but have that big impact, like he did in the playoffs last season, um, like he's doing right now. Like we're seeing the Ilya Samsonov of the past that like took an opportunity and rolled with it. He's having that opportunity right now, and he needs to continue rolling with it, and he needs to continue to make those saves that he needs to because in all three of those games he's made like at least three or four 10 bell saves like absolute monster saves like there was that triple like foot save against uh seattle there was another big time save in the winnipeg jets games and both uh, at the home and home i really think he needs to continue to have a big strong second half and continue building on this momentum yeah it's hard to disagree with that um he, you know he's uh i mean i pretty much just said the exact same talking points you did except for a different yeah. reason so i, <laughs> I mean basically reversed yeah, it, but I mean, yeah that's, no, that's, that's so... exactly that it's exactly right though i mean he's he was supposed to be their number one goalie this year i know that joseph wall has shown signs of being a kind of a calm and cool and collected guy they can rely on in the playoffs but you know samsonov is the guy that got him out of the first round last year and he's gonna have those expectations on him mm-hmm. um I'm going to go for what I believe is a little Frank low hanging fruit here. I'm going to say Tyler Bertuzzi and it's not entirely his yeah. fault. He's had some bad luck. He's been solid defensively His underlying numbers would say, but he needs to, he needs to score that goal. He needs to get mm-hmm. that monkey off his back and get back into a rhythm again. And you know what? I think that if Bertuzzi finishes the season strong, just like he did in Boston last year, you know, I'm going to, if, if this guy shows up in the second half of the season and the playoffs, but 
doesn't in the first half of the regular season, I'll be able to forgive that a lot easier. So I think that, you know, whether he's in uh, on a, he gets moved back to the top line or he's a guy that they end up using in the middle six or the third line or wherever. um, I still think this is a guy that can be valuable towards the, towards the playoffs. And if he's, I think it's up to him. If he, um, if he shows up, then I think he's a guy that, you know, you could see being a fit in Toronto long-term, but um, hard to justify anything past this season with what we've seen so far, whether there's been bad luck or not. So I'd love to see Bertuzzi kind of rebound and be that second half guy this year. Um, and I think he's, I think he's capable of it. We'll have to see though. Mm-hmm. All right, Peter. Well, uh, we have limped our way through the episode without our, our King Andrew Forbes, our King host. Uh, I think we did an okay job. And I, uh, I would I think, think we, I think, we, I think it. we did fine. Yeah. Uh, fine. Maybe. Yeah. Just call it that. <laughs> I, I, I just got, before we continue, I just got to give a little, got a little comment here from big Willie styles. Need to Vars to finish in the second half. He's had chances, just been snake bit. Can't agree more Bill. at big hundred percent. Yeah. I honestly, I'm, Tavares didn't even cross my mind, probably just because I'm so used to him being that consistent guy. That's always kind of yeah. just doing exactly in just enough to avoid criticism, but yeah, he's definitely a guy that need the, they need to finish in the second mm-hmm. half. This is the guy who scored 36 goals last year. So, um, Peter, anything to uh, look forward to anything you want to plug before we log off here? Ah, uh, no, it's just, you know, all-star weekends kicking in right now. So there's that, um, as you mentioned, I, uh, you know, just gearing up for, you know, the big events after, um, you know, Super Bowl, but also the second half of the season, you know, th- this is now when the grind begins. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, in that case, we'll leave it here. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you did it all throughout this episode, once again, don't forget to follow sticks in the six on social media. You can follow myself at a Hobson media. You can follow Peter at P Barracchini, or you can follow Andrew on Twitter. And this is all on Twitter, by the way, Andrew G Forbes, or you can follow the podcast. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X that sticks in the six pod on the end of that. I forgot the pod part. Damn it. I almost did it. I almost did it. Hey, don't worry. Don't worry. You caught it. You caught it. Yeah. If you type sticks in the six on Twitter, you'll find us. There's not Mm -hmm. that many accounts called sticks in the six out there. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, Peter, thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down tonight. Um, Likewise. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be back next time with another episode of sticks in the six once we're uh, back at full strength here. So thank you very much and have yourselves a great night.